When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast. We are presented, as always, by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Pick up a Broncos Country Pale Ale if you're looking to pick up a Breck Brew this week. Two games left on the Broncos schedule. Thank the Lord. They got the Chargers this weekend. Uh, so make sure you got a Breck Brew in hand. The official beer DNVR uh, when you're watching the game this week. My guest on the Denver Sports Podcast this week, our DNVR Avalanche reporter, Megan Angley. Megan, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. If you guys haven't seen, we at DNVR, well, really just Megan and Ryan Green, who's who does all types of video work for us. He did the Serbia documentary a couple years ago when we were there. Um, you guys just made a documentary on Pierre Lacroix, uh, the legendary Avalanche GM, helped bring the team to Colorado, win Stanley Cups for the Avs, and was really just an incredible executive, an incredible person. You guys were up in... Toronto for the Hall of Fame ceremony, the whole Hall of Fame weekend uh, where Pierre Lacroix was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Tons of interviews. Patrick Waugh, Adam Foote. Um, who else did you guys interview while you were up there? Ray Bork Ray was Bork, a really of cool course, one that was, that was up one. there. Chicago Blackhawks legend, Denny Savard. So that's really cool for the CHGO crew a little bit. Yeah. And just... The original owner, when the Quebec Nordiques came to Colorado, Charlie Lyons was a part of the ownership group that brought hockey to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And he was an interesting interview, too. There's a little bit in the interview series, but also some standalone interviews that are definitely worth watching. Yeah. All of that stuff's on the DMVR YouTube channel, a full three-part documentary, and then individual interviews in full that you guys did. I would recommend everybody go watch that after you watch and listen to this uh, because we're going to give you a bit. Well, Megan's going to give you a bit of behind the scenes on that, what it was like to be there. And we're going to talk about some individual stuff from all of that. Um, but I mean, first, to be up there in Toronto for that weekend, I mean, you guys did everything. Uh, the interviews, of course, meetups. There was a dinner hosted by the Lacroix family. The ceremony itself, uh, for you, just what was it like to be up there and experience all that firsthand? It was really humbling to be around what I considered hockey royalty. 
And you could see so much how hockey is a family, not just in who Pierre Lacroix was as a person, mm -hmm. but the way in which his legacy brought so many different hockey bloodlines to the same place, even though everyone's different backgrounds and all these players' careers took them so many different places. The Hall of Fame weekend brings a lot of these people who haven't seen each other in over a decade back to one place, and it's like you're being transported back in time. Obviously, I wasn't boots on the ground for a lot of those memories, but... I could feel a lot of the emotion being there in that weekend and then being in the Hockey Hall of Fame Museum yeah. and seeing all of the equipment, some of the earliest iterations of hockey sticks that I've ever seen. The whole experience is so humbling and I wasn't prepared for just how incredible it would be to be bumping elbows and in the same room seated by Peter Forsberg at the LaCroix family dinner with the Stanley Cup in the room. and. Mm. I have to shout out Eric for putting this all together because right. it's an emotional experience for Eric too. It's not just that his father's being inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame, but they lost him in December of 2020. And so it sort of reopened some wounds in terms of the loss for Pierre Lacroix, but it, it brought it to a really bittersweet end where you're sort of remembering memories of him and his legacy in this incredible accomplishment in being inducted to the hall. And so for Eric Lacroix to open his family to us for the entirety of that weekend and make those introductions was the other aspect of it that was also very humbling um, and, and really kind. I felt like I was a part of the Lacroix family for that mm. weekend. That's really cool because, I mean, Eric Lacroix, of course, son of Pierre Lacroix, who's on our DNVR Avalanche show and podcast. He's been on the Denver Sports Podcast a couple weeks ago, too. Um, Eric Lacroix is an awesome dude. He's first the of best. all, um, it, it's cool seeing how DNVR is developed as a company because we have Todd Davis, former Broncos player, who's on our show, our Broncos show every day. We have now Eric Lacroix, former Avs player, who's on our show every day. Both those guys are so down to earth and yes. just cool dudes to be around. And um, I've spent a lot of time around Eric now on this show and just around the office. What an awesome guy. And he obviously had a really close connection to his father. Yeah. Um, what was that like to be around him? Because I'm sure he was going through so many different emotions throughout that weekend, you know, family wise, but also professionally. Um, take us behind the curtain being with him as kind of his dad was getting recognized for all he did. It's really cool how the Hall of Fame included the entire Lacroix family. And so from Eric to his brother Martin and then to Eric's boys, um, they were all involved in different ways. Like Eric received the plaque and the ring initially in the ring ceremony that predated the actual induction ceremony. And then Eric held it down throughout the entirety of the weekend. He was busy making sure all of his family's being taken care of. They're getting good food while they're in Toronto, some smoked meat sandwiches in honor of Pierre. It was one of his favorite meals and Pierre connected through food a lot. So mm -hmm. Eric was making sure that everybody was connecting through food throughout the weekend. Did you have a smoked meat sandwich? I had some of the smoked meat and the poutine. Uh, they made sure that this was all in one meal. And that was just another way in which okay. he made us feel like part of the family. RG had some as well. Um, What's a smoked meat sandwich? It it's actually. I, I know what poutine is, but what's a smoky sandwich? It's super basic. It's a bread. I want to say like a mayo. Okay. And then 
it's like Arby's roast beef, but better. I feel okay. like I'm not doing it justice describing but like, it like that. But saying it's that, I can kind of picture it at least. Yeah. It's, it's elevated Arby's roast beef. <laughs> okay. I feel like I have not done it justice, but um, it was delicious. And so making sure everybody's well fed and is getting where they need to be, because there were so many events that as a result of having his father inducted to the Hall of Fame, he needed to be at. And I think the biggest thing was being a pillar of support for Coco. Which mm -hmm. is interesting that you asked the question in that way because she pulled me aside and said how much Eric reminds her of Pierre. And she's Pierre Lacroix's wife. Exactly. And I see it. He is so selfless and that is exactly how Pierre was described that it made me feel like I could imagine what Pierre was like in life because I didn't have the chance to know him personally. But in knowing Eric and hearing the stories about Pierre, I felt more connected to him through this weekend and getting to see firsthand the ways in which Eric is such a selfless person and will do anything for friends and family, shirt off his back kind of guy. And because Eric was a former player himself, there are a lot of autograph hounds in the lobby. He got asked for autographs and photos, and I doubt he would ever say that, but I thought that was pretty cool to That's see him so get cool. recognized by hockey fans in Toronto. That's so cool. Another cool thing about these Hall of Fame type of ceremonies, and this is true across all sports, NBA, NFL, NHL, there are these events and it's just a coming together of the entire hockey or whatever sport it is. It's, it's a coming together of that entire world. Yeah. So you have obviously the people getting inducted, the families of those people, but you also have like a who's who of just, you know, coming to Toronto for this thing. So obviously a lot of former abs were there that you guys interviewed. I've got to think it was just like a... Um, like an aristocracy of high class hockey people in Toronto at this thing. I mean, who were some of the people that you like rub shoulders with that you were like, wow, like that's so and so just that in the same room as me right now? You know what's cracking me up is seeing Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg again, of course, was cool, but meeting Deb Sackick, his wife, and having a conversation with her is what really solidified for yeah. me. And then That's by like the, the end of it... That's like the thing that only happens at a Hockey Hall of Fame. Exactly. Like, we ran into them on the streets of Toronto, leaving their hotel one morning, and they are, one, just the nicest people. Mm -hmm. And then, similarly, Adam Foote's wife, Jen Foote, um, kind of getting recognized by her by the end of it all there was a facial recognition like i know who this person is it was so affirming to sort of get friendly with the wives of some of these hall of fame players that i admire so much um yeah. but i mean like henrik lundquist was getting inducted to the hall of fame and that's a very relevant goaltender from my era of hockey and so being in the same room as hank was really cool um and I'm trying to think some of the others. Pierre Turgeon was a part of the events as well, and he briefly had a stint in Colorado. Um, so getting to see him was pretty cool. He was also just incredibly kind. Um, mm -hmm. It was awesome. Who was at your table for the LaCroix dinner? It was RG, me, son of Michel Goulet, and Peter Forsberg and his crew. He kind of travels with this very tight-knit friend group. Um, so when we did the interview here at DNVR, yeah. that same crew was here. So I think that made it more comfortable for them, too, that they had kind of previously met us before. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was awesome because they treated us just like regular dinner guests. And you were just having dinner with Peter Forsberg. Quite literally breaking bread with Peter Forsberg. It's insane. It was awesome. That's really cool. Um, Let's hit a quick break. On the other side, we're going to play a portion of 
the documentary from uh, Megan and Ryan Green on Pierre Lacroix. A couple really cool interviews in there. And then, um, yeah, we're going to talk more about some of the interviews and some stuff she's learned about Pierre, the person, and executive. Guys, at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, uh, they're giving new customers an exclusive offer uh, for NFL games. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, of course, when you sign up and you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use code DNVR. New customers can bet uh, $5. Sorry. When the money's calling, man, you got to answer. <laughs> DraftKings always has you covered. <laughs> DraftKings Sportsbook right now, you can bet um, $5 and score an NBA league pass on us. Uh, that's DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Use code DNVR. New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5. Uh, you can do that at DraftKings Sportsbook. The Nuggets are playing the Thunder tonight. You can bet on that. Just throw down $5. You win $150 instantly in bonus bets right now. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or visit or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after assurance. League pass reward issued as promo code to redeem uh, subscription and must be claimed by January 15, 2024. See DraftKings.com slash promos for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Also want to tell you guys to check out the game time app if you're looking for last minute tickets, maybe Nuggets Thunder, maybe for an Avs game. Hit up the game time app. When you download the Game Time app, create an account, use code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. But again, create an account, redeem code DNVR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. If you're a procrastinator, if you're looking for last minute tickets, if you decide at the last minute, hey, I want to go to a game, check out the Game Time app. Use code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase. All right, back here on the Denver Sports Podcast. Presented by Breck Brew. My guest today, Megan Angley of DNVR Avs. She was up in Toronto for the recent Hall of Fame induction where Pierre Lacroix, legendary Avs GM and executive, went into the Hall of Fame. So she's got a great perspective on him. But I want to play now a segment or a portion of the interview that she and Ryan Green put together that's on the DNVR YouTube channel. A couple great interviews in there. Uh, let's go ahead and play that now. Day two started back at Scotiabank Arena, which was filled with hockey legends lacing up their skates to play in the Hall of Fame Legends Classic. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Nice big warm round of applause for all these goal scorers and playmakers. The franchise made the playoffs every single season. They won their division nine times and made the conference finals an amazing six times. The team lifted Lord Stanley's mug on two occasions with the man from Montreal at the helm. On his behalf, 
is his wonderful wife, Coco LaCroix. Please welcome Coco. It was then time for our second round of interviews. Do you wear it? Do you wear it? See, I wear it facing me. This is what I don't know. That's what I, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. Okay, I did you. Yeah. I want to see it. Today that included Pierre Turgeon and beloved wife Coco Lacroix, Danny Savard, Charlotte Graham, and Claudia Landry. Each revealed something new about Pierre, the person not just the Hockey Hall of Fame GM. To him, it's all about relationships, and it's it starts there, and you build from that. He was unique, you know? I mean, he cared about the families, and that was, you know, and that's a big important thing, and I think today, you know, it's kind of gone that direction. It was a priority for him, and uh, he, he, he laid the plan for it, and he implemented it, and, uh, he was extraordinary at, at doing all of that to make everybody feel part of it. We just created a real bond and he trusted me, I trusted him. He always wanted to uh, fix, if there's something wrong, he always wanted to be the fixer. Um, had to make sure that ev everybody around him was always okay. There was uh, one time actually, uh, my husband had a heart attack about, let's see, five years ago or so. We're in the hospital and we don't know what the heck's going on. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the cardiologist walks in and uh, he goes, are you Claudia? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Claudia. He goes, your uncle Pierre sent me here um, to see if you guys are doing okay, if you need anything. And I was like, what? Like, how? Well, of course he knew the cardiologist, whatever. So he made sure that my husband was taken care of and. Just stuff like that. I got so many stories just like that. You know, he mentored us at everything. Uh, it was really a father and a brother, if you want to put it that way. And he did, uh, you know, hug you when you needed. Uh, told you when you're wrong. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he just had that presence that uh, was so powerful. <clears throat> well, he meant everything for us. He, uh, he went out with his wife many, many times to help all of us. And what's amazing is all the people that are here for him. I'm not shocked. Huh. He deserves it. When I came here on Thursday, coming out of the car and, and I'm the first one who walked 
And then I turn my head and I see my husband mm -hmm. right there. I was like, oh my God, this is, he's talking to me. Welcome. This is it. So this weekend, that thing hits me the first and uh, I realized that, oh my God, you did something very important. This is something that he wanted to have so bad. It, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing and I'm so, I'm so, so happy that finally mm -hmm. he's there. You should I'm be so proud of all this, you know. I very, should. very proud, yeah. You it, guys did an incredible job. Now, it's I'll, very difficult. Yeah, for sure, you know. And I think, uh, I think you have, um, you know, it's it's not only one, you know. I have no. my share too. It's two, and and when you do yeah. this as a couple, and you guys did an incredible job to guide a lot of people, and uh, and to their life, and we're very thankful for this. And I'm I'm like Denise Savar, and, and you could go on and on. It was just yeah. And it's, yeah. it's incredible, and, and it made a difference to us. It really did. The storytelling continued later that night at the LaCroix family dinner. Look, we wanted to take this opportunity to just open the mic, tell a few stories, have a few laughs, um, kind of reminisce. I want to start it, actually, and just raise a toast to Pierre, who meant so much to me, which he meant so much to all of you. Um, but I want to make sure that I cheer the guy that helped me have a career. So here's to Pierre Lacroix, my friend. He was a winner, he loved to win, and that's what he did for every one of us. All he cared about, his friends, his family, and I gotta tell you, I miss that guy every single day. To get to know him on another level with his family and Max and his family and his kids and all that stuff has just been, you know, and I miss him so much. Um, so, um, it's, he, sh he should have been here for this induction. Thank you so much for having us tonight. It was all uh, amazing and fun, and he was all about family. I think he was a, I don't think, he was a winner. We had to relocate a professional sports franchise and all their families and all their equipment, everything that goes with it, in a record amount of time. Just telling the world how proud I am of my best friend, um, and I thank you all for this moment. Mozi them, Papa. Love you. All right, so that was a little snippet of part of the documentary and and there's a lot more to it um where i want to go now though is kind of off of that but you saw in some of those interviews 
how connected to indiv- every individual that Pierre Lacroix was and how much he actually cared about people. He was a family man. He did go really out of his way for both his players, but also his family and just kind of everybody around the organization. I, I think in, in one of those interviews, it might have been with uh, Michelle Goulet, where he was talking about how he's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. And when like they moved the team from Quebec to Colorado, they did it in record time. And he like actually cared about the ticket sales people. And, you know, the people... Um, that don't get a lot of limelight and like making sure they were taken care of. He seemed like a real relationship, family oriented person. A hundred percent. Each of these interviews, there's some unique stories. I'll pull from them too. But one is coming from Eric that we have probably somewhere around here on set, the vitamin W's. Mm -hmm. And it's the prescription pill bottle filled with M&Ms when upside down, they look like a W. And he would encourage all of his employees down to like ticket staff level to take their vitamin W's each day um, to encourage winning, to encourage a winning culture. And I think that inclusion is really awesome. But also the culture we see in the Avs organization today that likes to involve the wives and girlfriends of the players that has philanthropic contributions, the Avs better halves, um, and the dinners, there we go, the the vitamin W's. It's it's such a Pierre Lacroix story. And... um, the dinners throughout the playoffs that Pierre Lacroix sort of brought into the organization to ensure that the wives were involved um, throughout the playoff process because it could be really grueling for the players. He encouraged that families be in the locker room post game. You know, mm-hmm. little ones can go and see their dad post game. He was there for the birth of Adam Foote's kids here in Colorado. And he, as a player agent, did something called the electric chair in the summers, which has a horrifying name. And it was really a way for him to put his players that he represented as an agent in the hot seat and talk about financial planning and make look at their spending from the previous year and make sure that they were setting themselves uh, up for success in the future with their earning potential as players. And that's such an above and beyond way that he cared about his players. Denny Savard is someone who talks about it a lot. And even in that Pierre Turgeon, Coco Lacroix interview, Coco's talking about picking the onions out of a skillet of food that she was making for Pierre Turgeon when he was a teenager, a gawky little teenager. And this now grown man going into the Hall of Fame essentially grew up with the Lacroix family and spent the summers there. Right. And it's just all so connected how much he cared about his players above and beyond and there was also a tinge of mischief that I don't know gets fully captured in the interview series that I think is fun because it was stories that were shared at the Pierre Lacroix um, dinner and one that stood out that was a recurring story that sort of touches on what you were just talking about is a story about a horn that when they would have new hires that were being brought into the front office management group, he would tell them that it's a tradition at the start of the year to blow into this horn. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they would usually make a spectacle out of it. Like go at center ice, blow as hard as you can into this horn. It's a tradition, like it's for good luck. 
and they would blow into it as hard as they could and it was filled with flour and it would just blow up all over their face and he didn't just do this to staff in the front office he did this to his friends he had this travel group that he liked to travel with that was at the dinner and they described the story of the horn and how they were also pranked with it because it was sort of kept secret to newcomers so that they could be surprised by it and that is something that i think is worth talking about too is the mischievous side of Pierre Lacroix. Yeah. He knew how to get things done and he knew how to have fun too. And that reminds me of another story from um, the documentary where I forget who you guys were talking to. I think I have it in my notes somewhere here where after the Avs won the Stanley Cup, the first one, he requested for the locker room not to be cleaned. Who was who he? Who were you talking to? Who had that story? Patrick Waugh. That was Patrick Waugh. So after the Avs won their first cup, Pierre Lacroix was already thinking about next season. And Patrick Waugh says that he requested, P Pierre Lacroix requested the locker room not be clean. So when he was meeting with the free agents on the roster immediately after the championship celebration, like in the next coming days, they'd remember what it was like to win the championship with the Avs. I thought that was an incredible story because where I first heard it was from a current NHL GM, Brad Trey Living, who was sharing with me this story because it's kind of a story of inspiration. Like that's the level of detail that Pierre Lacroix operated with. Mm -hmm. And there's something so tactful about pointing at that locker room, post-celebration, probably covered in champagne, and saying, do you want to do this again? It's yeah. really compelling, and he, he got some extensions out of it. So, you know, two cups to his name, something like six, conf uh, six Western Conference Finals, nine division titles, 11 straight playoff appearances. He built winning teams beyond just the two Stanley Cups, and that's how he did it. It was that attention to the little details. And it's why I think hockey has become as big as it has in Colorado. Mm -hmm. There was definitely a place and a love for it already, but the success of the Avs created a sense of pride that I think brought them to their third cup and why the fan base was so hungry for it all these years because what Pierre Lacroix built from the ground up here in Colorado was pretty special. Patrick Waugh said that Pierre Lacroix was the best seller he'd ever seen in his life. He told you guys like, he never drank a beer, but he was the yep. best beer salesman. He never smoked a cigarette, but he was the best cigarette salesman. And that's a component that every legendary GM and executive has. You have to be a great seller. And it seems like that's what he was. And that goes back to, again, the locker room thing where he would bring a guy into a locker room where you can still smell the champagne and be like, do you really want to leave this? Yeah. No, nobody's uh, most people aren't turning him down when when you're in that scenario and you look at the humble beginnings because he's an example of someone who wasn't in the nhl himself but mm -hmm. had such a an impact on the sport of hockey and he played junior hockey but he had humble beginnings as a salesman and it was selling things like cigarette and beer and even though he didn't smoke and he didn't drink he was one of the best salesmen around and that led to his transition to becoming a player agent, which eventually becoming a general manager. But it's because he was so good at what he did that he was able to have the success that he did. Yeah. He also had an incredible instinct 
and that's another thing that every great GM needs. Like, you obviously need to know hockey. You need to know the sport that you're GMing. But you also need to have a great instinct. And that's also something Pierre Lacroix had. Patrick Watt told you guys a story about when he was building a house <laughs> near Pierre Lacroix. Can you take us through that? It was a pretty funny story because Patrick Watt, as everyone knows, was known for having a little bit of a temper as a player. Yes. And this was something that Pierre, in Patrick's words, identified in him. that he ha And he found the ways to use this as a strength of Patrick instead of shaming him for it or trying to get him to change this quality in himself. Mm -hmm. It's like Pierre had the tools to sort of rein it in and channel it into something productive with Patrick yep. Waugh. And it was really necessary because evidently in his personal life, Pierre encouraged Patrick Waugh to channel some of that temper into something productive with the workers that were working on his house. I guess things were not being done to expectation. And so he went in there and he let his passion loose a little bit. And I don't know the exact end of that story, but it sounds like he got what he wanted in the end. He, he got... He lit a fire under the workers and got the result that he wanted with some coaching and advice from Pierre Lacroix to help. Yeah, Patrick Waugh said he always, quote, had a good feel about the situation. I guess whether it came to building a roster or um, building a house. That's, it's funny because one of the stories from the Lacroix dinner was about an insurance story. How of course. he <laughs> did something with his insurance to get coverage where he was previously going to be denied coverage he managed very tactfully to get something covered pretty swiftly pretty expertly and i'm sure anyone who's dealt with insurance knows that's not easy to do <laughs> absolutely um i want to take one final break and then on the other side i want to go over some final notes from um the interviews you guys did in the documentary including one story about why and how the Avs got Ray Bork uh, the season, you know, before they won their first Stanley Cup. Guys, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Distillery. There's a lot of choices for whiskey and bourbon out there. Breck Distillery, to me, is just a cut above the rest. They're my go-to uh, for bourbon, for whiskey. They've got a new vodka as well, a Broncos-themed vodka. Check that out, too. But Breckenridge Distillery, they're more than just award-winning spirits. They offer an immersive guest experience if you guys are ever up there. They've got an award-winning restaurant, uh, show-stopping cocktails. You can learn more about their uh, highly awarded spirits as well with tastings too. They also have Riki Seltzers, which are really popular at the bar if that's more your style. It's a great gift. Um, Christmas just passed, but you know if you need a gift for a loved one nobody's going to be mad if you get them a bottle from breck distillery uh, so their products are available in all 50 states shop your local retailer or you can visit breckenridgedistillery.com for home delivery of their award-winning breckenridge spirits also want to tell you guys about hestra job gloves hestra gloves are just gloves that you need for everyday stuff whether you're doing projects at your house uh, do-it-yourself projects, yard work, landscaping. Hestra uh, gloves are the best gloves for those type of situations. Right now, um, you guys can get a huge discount on Hestra gloves by going to hestrajob.us. Use the code DNVR40 
You get 40% off your next purchase. Uh, they're long-lasting. Hester Gloves have been making gloves for 85 years. Don't trash your ski gloves, shoveling snow or doing work like that, actual labor. Uh, get gloves for what you need. So check them out, hesterajob.us. Use the code DNVR40. If you're looking to supply like uh, maybe a work team, maybe a group of people with high quality gloves, they bulk rate, uh, you can email josh at hestrausa.com. All right, back here on the Denver Sports Podcast, Harrison Wind and Megan Angley from DNVR Avalanche. One of my favorite stories from the documentary uh, was from the interview you guys did with Ray Bork, and it was about how the Ray Bork trade happened. Um, can you kind of take me through the meeting that Pierre Lacroix had with Patrick Waugh and how that ushered in kind of the Ray Bork trade? Yeah, it, it seems like Patrick Waugh came to Pierre with dissatisfaction uh, of where the state of the team was. And it wasn't totally dire, but it was something to the extent of we can't be a country club. Yeah, We, we need something. And this was in the 2000 season, and I, I think the Avs were like a little over 500, so like not great, but good. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's interesting. Like I kind of reflect on even the year they're having right now where mm -hmm. they're having a good season, but it's not quite to the level that fans would like it because they know what that 2022 Cup team looked like, and they're just missing that secret ingredient. And so Patrick Waugh identified this in that year's group, and... About two weeks later, after voicing his dissatisfaction, which you have to imagine, given what we know about Patrick Waugh, that it was probably pretty impassioned. Uh, yeah, that was probably a pretty lively conversation. It was, it was probably pretty lively. And, you know, the next thing you know, Ray Bork is in Colorado and Pierre's coming to Patrick like, all right, will that work for you? Because he did what he needed to do as a GM. Now the rest was up to Patrick Wannett. And of course we know that story. It takes like another season before they actually get to the summit. It ends in disappointment with Ray Bork hitting the post in game seven in that conference final. But they knew what they had in that group. They just mm -hmm. knew like, we need a little bit more runway to get this done. And they do then the following year. And it's amazing how it comes together on both sides because Ray Bork was a Boston Bruin. He is a Boston Bruin. He holds just as much acclaim in that fan base as he does the Avs fan base. And yeah. so it was hard for him to make that decision to go to Colorado. You know, he was already looking at other teams because he knew the end of his career was near and he wanted to get the cup. I think he had considered Philly. And that I is where all he, like, eyes pointed initially to. initially wanted to go to Philly. That's where all eyes pointed to. And so somewhere along the way. Pierre made it work with Colorado, and it was the necessary piece. Eventually, Rob Blake came into the picture, and together, defensively, Bork and Blake were exactly what the Avs needed defensively to get that second cup. Yeah. And it was born from Patrick Waugh saying, this isn't good enough. Something's missing. Yeah. And I loved how Ray Bork told you guys after they had lost in the playoffs, and he was, you know, probably going to come back for one more season he told Pierre Lacroix all right I'm just going to come back for one more year just give me a one-year deal and Pierre Lacroix was like okay but I'm going to give you a two-year yeah deal. I'm going to do two you know it's usually the other way around like the players are begging for term yeah and so it, it's just so Pierre of a story like no I'm going to give you two yeah and of course he only ended up playing the one year and I think Ray Bork said like 
he ended up uh, making the money work so it like would have been whatever he would have made over two years. And, of course, they got the Stanley Cup, and um, the rest is history. Um, but I thought um, Ray Bork also told a great story in that interview about how Joe Sackick told him ahead of time that he was going to get the cup right after Joe did if they won it. Like, that was already worked out ahead of time. I think that's wonderful, too, because it has been memorialized to such an iconic moment yeah, in that's hockey just, history. That is an all-time iconic moment when Joe Sackett gives the cup to Ray Bork. And it kind of lends itself to the conversation around the culture that was built by Pierre in the players that he brought on board, too, you know? And I don't think it's any accident that Joe Sackett, as a general manager and then eventually president, has been inspired a lot by how Pierre ran things in mm -hmm. his approach to front office management. Yeah. Anything else from that weekend stick out that um, I might have missed? Not that you missed. I just don't know. Was it obvious that Ray Bork was also Max Lacroix's billet dad? I thought that was such a cool connector in the hockey family, hockey really history, cool. that Max Lacroix lived with Ray Bork and right. almost considers him a second father um, during some of his youth hockey days. And now he now Max Lacroix is out in Boston for school. And so it just sort of kept everything in the family. They're still so close, the Bork family and the Lacroix family. And it all starts, you know, with this trade once upon a time that eventually brought another cup to Colorado. And I think that's really wonderful. Yeah. But I think that also goes back to the theme of Pierre Lacroix, like the family man and always looking out for his family, his teammates, families, and just everybody in the organization. Because when that situation comes up um, there, you know, it's kind of paying it forward. It's kind of paying yeah. it back to him. Like, oh, you did all this for me. Like, now I'm going to pay it back to you. Everyone really there cool. at that dinner felt it was the least they could do to be there for Pierre because he touched their life in such a profound way. And I still feel humbled by it. Like, I see the chat. It, it's, I don't feel qualified to talk about it necessarily. I wished Eric was here to talk about it too. But I think it brought a lot of happiness and a little bit of closure to his family to have had this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on and uh, chatting about the weekend, the documentary, and just what it was like to be there. And um, yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You guys, you can catch Megan on the DNVR apps pod every single day, uh, post-game, pre-game, uh, whatever you want. She's got you covered. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in uh, to this week's The Denver Sports Podcast. Uh, throw us a quick like if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a quick review if you're listening to this as a podcast. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another guest. Talk to you guys then.